Welcome to Songwriter Trysts, an intimate podcast that is connecting songwriters from all over the world. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee. Music saved my life and I want to talk to other songwriters about the power of songwriting, talk about their journey and how they got to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions, all the great things that build an amazing song. To support the podcast and follow our journey, you can find us on songwritertrysts.com. Welcome to A Songwriter Trysts with Lou Crochet. How are you? Good, Ray. How you going, mate? I'm good. Thanks for coming on. I'm looking forward to it. This is actually a Friday evening live recording that we are doing. Mm. What do you normally do on Friday nights when you're not chatting with me? Well, two years ago, I was pretty busy. I was probably someplace around this magnificent country of ours. But last two years, I've I don't know this has become my new norm, and I'm really liking it. Just hanging at home and thinking, maybe oh, what's on Netflix later on? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. I put the Barbie on. I just kind of have a glass of wine, and it's been lovely. You know, it's, it's trying to get the the musical mojo back up again. But when you you consider the fact that you got to drive for the next 19 hours or whatever it used to be, and sitting at some airport, some. Yeah. Awaiting some flight cancellation or, or Sounds like you burnt out a little bit from it all. Well, it wasn't. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You didn't realise it at the time because that was just, that was your norm. You just did it and you didn't mind doing it because that was just life, that how it was for 25, 30 years. And with that, you know, interesting last couple of years, there was a new norm arose and it was, it was unreal. I, I, like I live close to the ocean here and it was just... The gods of surfing just gave us the best two years of swell ever. It was hard to, I know people were saying how tough it was, but, man, I was loving it. Yeah. Just being at home and being in the ocean, reconnecting with friends and family members that I really hadn't given a lot of time to over the last few decades. Mm. Priorities changed and it's taking some effort to go back to uh, how it was. Well, I think you you need to do what feels right for you. Well, this, yeah, this feels great. You know, just talking about music and uh, creating music. I've got my little studio going here and uh, there's plenty of projects underway and I'm really loving that creative outlet and it's been uh, it's been more than sufficient, you know, as opposed to just dealing with the road and everything that that entails. Exactly. Awesome. Well, let's mm. go back to the very beginning. I like to start by letting everyone else at home know a little bit about who you are and where you come from. Sure. Luke Anthony O'Shea from uh, Sydney, Australia. Uh, school teacher and uh, storyteller, what do you songwriter. Teach? Music? Currently I teach music and Taz and that's always interesting, teaching Taz and art, you know. And what Taz? Sorry. Taz is kind of like woodwork, cooking, ah. IT, you know, and I, I'm terrible at all. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's usually a bit of blood in my classroom and it's always mine, you know, and it's a deliberate mistake I make on to teach the children 
You know, uh-huh. what deliberate mistake did I just make again? They go, oh, you jeweled through your hand, sir. And that's right. And, uh, <laughs> what, what's the next <laughs> deliberate mistake I've just made? And they go, you've just sliced your thumb open. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so don't do it, uh, demonstrating how sharp things can be. So, uh, yeah, I'm not that coordinated <laughs> in uh, the realm of tools. But, yeah, I do love I do love the give of teaching. It's certainly given me a lifestyle that I wouldn't have had the, if I just relied on music to pay the mortgage, that's for sure. And it gave me enough breadth um, and choice, i got to say, to keep the love of music there as opposed to making case sound brown-eyed girl the only way that I could, you know, pay those yeah. bills. And, look, there's nothing wrong with that as well. I know a lot of artists that do um, – cover gigs and things as well to Ma'am, pay the bills? As I mentioned before, decades and decades. You know, there's three, I think there's three careers that you need to have, particularly in Australia, mm. in order to survive as a musician. And there's no shame in any of them, but I needed a, a nine-to-five job with that security in order to kind of just have a home and just children and holidays, et cetera. And mm. the other job I needed was to be a covers artist, you know, to keep the the skills up and to keep the, the boys in the band or the girls in band employed yeah. because when you keep the band together, it's hard to be an original artist unless you want to be perpetually on that road. Yeah. And Australia has got a very long, big road and Distance. with a, mm. very few gigs in between. So and then if you are going to try and start coming an original career from that, you certainly utilise the skills and the, the fitness that you build up from those years and years of doing the covers. And so you, they are three very different careers that intertwine and you need all three in order to be an original artist in Australia, I believe anyway. It's just it's far too hard and too lonely just to and too risky just to be an original artist. It's just it's a hard, hard road. I actually started busking in, in lockdown as a random opportunity came up. They were doing busking inside shopping centres to support mm. local artists because, you know, we weren't working. Yeah, I quickly realised that people gave more money when I was singing um, cover songs. <laughs> yeah. And I still, I also mixed in a few originals and I made some really good fans out of that from people mm. in the middle of a shopping centre being distracted by a song that they liked, which was really encouraging. But yeah. most of the tips came from singing, you know, like Leonard Collins' Hallelujah or something like that. I remember after a few days of playing four hours a day at least, yeah, my fe- I think that's actually where I built up my calluses. Yeah, it's integral and, it's, and yeah. you learn very valuable songwriting tips for yourself because you – you find those songs and you break down the form of those songs that you love and you say, oh, that lift's there and you find that key that you just nailed. You know, I know that, you know, from doing all those covers gigs that I just love the key of A. And so if I'm going to structure a song, I'm going to make sure that I just hit that chorus on an A chord because I'll just rise and, and then, you you know, it, you find out through playing that whole range of genres within that country world yeah. Sorry, within that covers world, I should say. Yeah. What songs really connect with audiences and how they're structured and you find those three majors in the minor and pretty much all those hit songs and you start to twist it around and find a new line or melody that makes it your own and you find your own distinct style and voicing and where you're going to put your capo or not. You know, it's, it's mm. essential. It's, it's, it's your apprenticeship. 
Yeah. And it's a very valuable apprenticeship and, you know, you learn your microphone technique and how to work a crowd and how to control that one heckler that's in every gig everywhere. So you just need that grounding and Australia is certainly going to give you that. I call it Australia music scene. It's the great filtering system. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it... It filters out all the pretenders, you know. It's <laughs> You can't pretend at, for very long, can you? No, it's so raw and it's so real and, you know, there's so much talent out there and mm. all those TV shows, you know, like The Voice, X Factor, Idol, you name it, they uncover so much potential and so much talent in Australia but then they, they realise it's a hard, tough slog out there. Mm-hmm. And they're not heard of again, which is a real shame because there is so much gold in this country and so much creativity that just gets stifled or gets shut down or just gets abandoned because the road is a tough one and it's a filtering system. So you do, Mm. after a few decades, find those brothers and sisters out there who keep on keeping on because there is no plan B. There is no other option. It's who they are. And they need to do it as essential as breathing. Yeah, no, I can totally relate to that. So so why was it essential for you? What was that path like when it got too hard? Well, why did you stick around? It wasn't always essential. I was always just like you, like yourself, you know, I was just I was a mad traveler. I had a, a, a travel bug, you know, that just was all consuming. And that's pretty much why I became a teacher. It wasn't you know, for the love of children, <laughs> it was because I just wanted to <laughs> they travel, are angels. man. Oh, they're such <laughs> angels, teenagers, aren't they? Adorable. The, to no one ever. So, point. yeah, I just wanted to travel. <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, I can become a teacher and just teach you wherever. And yeah. and then I just bust and played in street corners to supplement that income. Mm-hmm. I never thought that it could actually be a career. Mm. And, yeah, it wasn't until I was living in Ireland that they started to you know, because I, I went away for six months and eight years I was gone, you know, wow. and uh, you know, about two and a half years in North America and Canada, two years up there, and then a year in Japan, then about another two and a half years over in, in Europe. It was unreal. It was just mm-hmm. great. But that's what music and teaching enabled me to do. Mm-hmm. And then, but it wasn't until I was in Ireland that um, I was really encouraged to tell my own story. And it was a strange thing because once I started to write my own music and, and, and felt the way it connected with audiences there, mm. that songwriting bug then consumed the travel bug, which I thought was impossible to do. It was just unrelenting. And it was a strange moment because as a, from a man who just couldn't sit still, all I wanted to do was to get back to terra firma in Australia and connect with country back here and write here right in Australia and it was mm. really a strong pull it was it was overwhelming and I came back and then I just didn't stop playing I just I, I look at what I used to do and how often I'd play and just uh, you know I'd started a young family around the same age as well you know mm. and it was I don't know how I did it it was just nuts I, it was just passion passion means willing to suffer for and mm. you know you suffer for your art in Australia that's for sure you know yeah. and um, I think you just yeah. do it mm. and I don't know like I look back on it now and I say it was like I used to just do the George Costanza 
you know, three little kids, I'd kind of, um, you know, that's when well, I didn't have three at that stage, I was just getting one, but you're gigging four or five nights a week, you're, you're teaching five days a week, you're trying to put kids to bed in the meantime. And then, you know, at recess, I'd roll out of my desk and just under the desk and just sleep for 20 minutes if I could. There's the only way you survive, but you just, you just do it because yeah, there's no other option. That's insane. You know? Yeah. But hey, and then you, you, you might back in those days, you know, you, you could make some money selling CDs, and mm. there was a bit of a live scene. And we got signed to a, a, a nice label at the start, which gave us a big leg up. And we just started to keep that momentum going. And then, uh, you know, that's a whole new chapter of pain. But, um, Being with a label. Oh, yeah. I, I call that whole scene, that whole thing. That's just, that's, that's the joy thieves. That, that falls into oh. the, the fold of joy thieves. What what makes you say that? Because, I mean, I have had different experiences of people signing contracts and and then, you know, their their story after that. What was your experience? Uh, Look, it was great. Like, basically, it was the the mid-90s, you know. We were playing as the – my band was called Medicine Wheel in those days. And it was a good band, you know. If people want to hear what Medicine Wheel was, if you Spotify Pinball, Luke O'Shea Pinball, that project, Mm -hmm. that's exactly what Medicine Wheel was. And it was a great sound. I loved it. And we, we won you know, a number of Battle of the Bands as it was the 90s, you know. We couldn't take that next step. We just couldn't We just couldn't step up into – we couldn't get anyone to represent us. We couldn't get a label behind us. We couldn't get decent management. It was just very frustrating. And through that frustration, I thought, you know, this is nuts. You know, we've proven that we've got what it takes in this mm. quality project. But the best advice we got was from Michael Chug, and that was just a – get the hell out of Australia, you know. It was just, there really? was nothing for us here. It was just, and I didn't want to hear that. I wanted to, I wanted to do way. it here. But so um, that's when I went to Tamworth for the first time out of frustration thing. There must be something else. And that's where I saw these multi-generational audiences listening to artists that were, you know, from every type of background and every age group. And uh, this is it. These are my people. This is my tribe. I just felt immediately connected with that genre of music, the storytelling aspect and the way that people respected the song and it didn't have the ego of the rock world that we had just come out of. It was the artists were nice to each other. They talked to each other and I just went, this is, this was just, it was an epiphany. I just went, this is my place. And so I I went back to the studio and I just rearranged some of the, the recordings that we'd done previously and simplified bass, replaced some guitar solos with them fiddles and banjos and stuff and next thing you know we will sign away abc and universal music and uh i said well, all right boys we're we're now country band <laughs> look out and they didn't you know there were the gatekeepers that just hated us at the time because they knew that we knew bugger all but uh it was the story was there but uh we certainly got a toe on the door through playing all the late night venues and closing the bns's and uh rodeos and uh Oh, all those late night gigs. It was a lot of fun, but when punters are given the choice of buying a a CD or a Bundy and Coke, you, the CD's never going to win, you know, mm, at, uh, at 2 o'clock days. in the morning at the Crowbar, you know. it was. So we had to make a conscious effort, you know, to um, once we were a little bit more established and the gatekeepers had realised we weren't going away or I wasn't anyway. Yeah, we, we started to change the time zones that we'd play and we we started to 
play for a more listening audience and that's when we started to get a bit more acceptance and uh you know a couple of the awards started coming through and it was nice it is nice to get a bit of recognition and people listening or singing yeah that's 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 a very encouraging but but it's hard you know this is what you've got to try to express to people that when they put out an album it wasn't until the fourth album that anything came in it was just we couldn't get a, a nominee but i also had an insight into the industry at that time from both an independent and also with the label and you do see how the machinations work and how the artists, you know, you, you got to feed the machine. Yeah. You have to generate money in order to, to attract that, that team around you and they're going to protect their themselves. And that's why you'll constantly see the same old names, you know, and, featuring the same festivals more than any other genre. It's the same, same, same because they feed the machine. That machine needs feeding. And so as long as they keep doing that, they'll keep the same people there. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's well, an interesting um, dynamic. But you, you do understand, absolutely. It's just the game you play and, yeah, it's, it's just the way it is. Well, you've been doing really well and to see that you've been lasting and found it, found some sort of... I guess, equilibrium for what you're doing so that you can continue to enjoy it. Sounds nice. Yeah. Family and surfing and teaching. And are you, Do you still have the travel bug or are you quite, you think you've gotten rid of it a little bit? Oh, no, no, I've still definitely got the travel bug. You know, I still love the, that's the beauty of music. It's the roads it takes you down, you know, that mm. you never would have normally gone down before and you know I was never a tourist I, I, I but I loved traveling I was always mm. loved the travel mm. and so whenever you get to incorporate the two like in August this year I'm heading up to the Kimberley up to a beautiful place one of my favorite places on the planet El Questra up there to do a residency up there for a month mm. and just to connect with country back up there and just I'm so looking forward to just the week of driving and sitting in the car as I kind of make my way up the Kimberley from Sydney and then just to catch up with mates along the way, I'll be catching up with Tommy Curtin, do some shows in Catherine and Chris Matthews in Kununurra and, mm. and uh, you know, it's, there's just once you go around this country a few times, you realise how small it is. It's just a small island mm. in regards to people, but it's just a very small island spread over a very large Long geographic spots <laughs> yeah long <laughs> Big roads and nothing yeah. but once you hop once you transverse that nothingness it's just these little communities where you really get to connect with a lot of the people around there and you really do form strong friendships with them mm. but man there's some miles in between them but it's still only little like you you can go to melbourne and and have you know it's it's a 10-hour drive, say, and you just – but in between it, there's some great people and great towns and great, you know, stops and and you just get to connect with the regions all over the place. And what you learn about Australia is just how diverse it is. It's, it's you know, you don't go to Europe and expect the Swedes to be the same as the Spaniards or, or the, no. the Greeks to be the same as the Scots, you know. They're all distinctly different, different l- – Look, language, cuisine, religion, culture, geography changes dramatically. And it's the same in Australia. You know, you go to Broome, 
or you go down to uh, Tasmania or you go over to the West Coast or the tropical north in Queensland. It's distinct and it's mm. fascinating and you just become addicted to that travel and that And it's pretty safe change. and kind. You know, we don't have Frequency. guns and um, people are pretty chilled in Australia. I, I remember speaking to my – I have a therapist. I have had for a very long time, <laughs> don't we all? Yeah, and um, she was telling me, you know, like there's a reason why Australia loved COVID because it gave the media something to talk about because we, in general Australia doesn't have that much drama going on. Like it's considering our size and where we are in the world. Yeah. You know, we don't have well, massacres like every that. six months. No, it's it's the bizarre thing is, you know, someone will prove it one day. You know, you don't have to step out into the sun, you know, out of the shade to feel the power of the sun, you know what Mm. I mean? You can feel that physical power of the sun as soon as you step out into Mm. it. And people forget that we're sitting on this big molten ball that radiates a very strong energy. Yeah. And there's certain layers of crust that, you know, filter through that energy and it might be really distinct in Europe or North America or Africa, there's a pulse. But in Australia it, it emanates this feeling of should be right, mate. Yeah. You know, hey, <laughs> yeah. should be right. And, you know, that. how else yeah, could you explain out. that the Ab- Aboriginals lived here like, for 60,000 years and not once did they feel the need to, you know, invent a wheel or a, no. bar- or a baron <laughs> They didn't That's a really it. good should point. Right, They're like, nah, I should be right. <laughs> right. You know, and they, oh, that, I love that. <laughs> and, that, and that attitude's awesome mm. when it comes to lifestyle and just attitude towards people, but yeah. it's a bugger when you're trying to be a touring musician. <laughs> you know, I mean, down. Yeah, I'm just well, it depends on what you're getting. trying to achieve. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, you'll be right, man. I'll catch you tomorrow. I'm not here yeah. tomorrow. Oh, no worries, mate. She'll be right. <laughs> catch you next yeah, time. No worries. Damn it. <laughs> Tell me, like, with your music and when you are writing songs, is there something that you're specifically thinking about or do you feel like after this many years of writing music th- there is a theme or, or a core that you like to implant into your music that you want people to feel or hear and go, that's a Luke O'Shea song? Yeah, yes, to go for it. And so there is definitely a lot of subliminal messages there about kind of season the day. Mm-hmm. The other theme I would say would be just trying to be that link between, and I say of the last four albums in particular, trying to link the the new Australia with old Australia. Okay. You know, the Indigenous people had strong connection in this country and I feel modern-day Australians after six, five, six, seven generations of living upon it are feeling it, but they just haven't had the teachers or the ways to or the rituals to connect and take ownership and become custodians of their regions. And we're starting to realise through the dramatic changes we're seeing in our climate and in our everyday life in regards to the way the river systems are being ruined and mm-hmm. the fracking systems opening up and the coal mining expansion, It's we're starting to really feel that we need to represent and stand up and say enough's enough and we got to look after this for not just our kids but for our grandkids. And that's at the core of Indigenous Australians. They 
respected this land so much to pass it on because they were smart enough to realise if you didn't, there goes your whole survival. Yeah. And we've taken a lot mm. within a very short amount of time, new Australians. That has to change. We've got to start turning that around. So it's about highlighting the awareness that this country is amazing and singing up its people and its past and it's great. There's a lot to be celebrated but there's also a lot of stuff there that's pretty shameful and needs to be addressed and owned and so I feel that's been at the core of a lot of my music of late and the humbling part is is just how well that's connected with uh with country music people audiences out there and also the industry the CMAA you know even with songs as bold and um, blunt as Happy Australia Day. Mm. The fact that um, that connected to such a degree where we, Kevin Bennett and myself got to perform that on the big stage of the CMAA Golden Guitars and awarded that award for um, Heritage Song. But the fact that that is a very confronting song to what is regarded to, as being a very conservative genre of music mm. was so indicative of its willingness to step in the right direction and we're all ready for change in Australia, I feel. Mm. And even the current election just showed that we are really becoming aware of that the environment is becoming paramount and our care for it and we want our politicians to act on it seriously because we are seeing it firsthand just how not acting on it is having adverse effects on our climate and our lifestyles, the floods, the droughts, the bushfires, it's happening. Yeah, it's right in front of us. You can't ignore it, not when it's, Mm. you know, we're seeing it all over the world. And and I do agree and I I like the fact that there is change and that people are starting to take it seriously because that's what we're here for is to protect our land. How, Mm. how How did you connect to it? How did that become a big part of what you're doing? Was there a moment or something that kind of opened your eyes to it and you wanted to pass that on? I'd say that it's happened over, you know, 40-odd years, you know. It's just I grew up in the National Park here in, in Grays Point in the Sutherland Shire and it was it was an idyllic upbringing, you know, playing creeks and in the bush. Mm. Um, and uh, there was a lot of uh, Aboriginal artefacts and uh, carvings and caves, et cetera, where I grew up that were pretty much untouched. Wow. And I remember lying there and lamenting because I, I didn't have – those teachers that could give me that rite of passage that said I was a man and that I belonged to that country. And um, so you just go off and you do all the other dumb Stop. Western rite of passage <laughs> of getting pissed and putting yourself in really dangerous scenarios and uh, mm. other not so healthy kind of, um, you know, benchmarks that you need to tick off your list, you know, and it's 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 a confusing time. It is. And uh I really kind of remember feeling that as a, a young man and uh, wanting that to change. And um, as I travelled, you know, I, I was always, you know, had a, a – there's always a spiritual quest, you know. I've, I've always wanted to find out more than just um, what the church might teach. And so I explored a lot of uh, Indigenous religions, and particularly in Native American spirituality up there, the medicine wheel, and thus mm. the name, the band I carry with him, thus the symbol I still use everywhere. And it's, it became very important to me, and I ended up following that spirit, 
path, you know, all around the place, just yeah. exploring the medicine within all cultures, you know, Asian cultures, European cultures in, in here in Australia. And it was, yeah. and it's hard not to be aware of that stuff and then realize how connection to nature is paramount. Yeah. It always has been yeah. that we're just here fleetingly and we've got to make sure that we do our part to, it's not just snatch and grab. Yeah. It's it's yeah. about custodian roles. It's about looking after it for future generations and taking on that ownership. And so it just was a, quite an organic awakening, I feel, where there wasn't one big moment. Yeah. It was just ongoing. And then when you see what's happening in these particular regions and you talk to farmers that are being bullied off their land or mm. you're, you're, you're seeing the, the product that, of corrupt councils mm. or governments and you're seeing these people and river systems and crops destroyed and any of the risks that are ahead of us, you know, the, the short-sightedness and the greed that is so apparent yeah. to everybody. Blind Freddie could see, you know, that Adani is just idiocy, you know, but it still went ahead and you're just going, how can we allow this stuff to still happen? And um, mm. so people are becoming there is a real growing, it's not just myself, there's a real growing movement towards protecting country. And uh, it's it's funny how we're, we're just realigning ourselves with what Indigenous Australians have lived by for 60,000 years. Mm, I love that. Well, yeah, I'm really glad that you've, you've been doing that and that it's being heard. And music, I think, is a really powerful tool of being able to share messages like that without coming across as too confrontational. Um, mm. And that's beautiful. I want to ask you about co-writing. I know that we met at the DAG. That was the first time I came across you and your music. Mm. Um, and we do a lot of co-writing there. Is co-writing something that you like to do a lot of? Yeah, it's pretty much the only way I write now. It's um, yeah. nuts because... I found, you know, it has to be a very big burning issue within me to want to write a song just for me now because every song that you write should be the best thing that you've ever done ever, mm-hmm. you know, from this point on. Like it's no use me writing a song that's not as good as a previous song, otherwise I'm going backwards. So yeah. if I'm going to put my time and energy into it, it has to be a very important subject matter that's burning within me that will wake me up in the middle of the night as songs will do mm. um, and stories will do. And uh, until that happens, then I just don't write. I'll put my creative energies into something else and that's that's all good and fine because also you realise if you just keep writing, you just kind of keep recording and you just you forget the other Everest that you have to climb and that's the, marking and the promoting and all that horrible stuff and so it just doesn't make sense to just keep writing but Mm. when somebody comes to you know where we hook up with be it at the songwriting retreats or they come here or wherever um all of a sudden I get escapism I get to enter into a world which is not my own Mm. and I love it you know and it's I can tap into their life and their story and their burning um, inspiration, mm. you know, behind an idea. And, you know, through that I've been, you know, I was never into cars. Like I look at my current album that I'm recording at the moment, I think I think eight of the, the ten tracks on it are, are co-writes. That's great. And that's, 
it's it's fantastic. You know, I, I'm a rev head in one. I was never into cars, but now I'm in a rev. I mean, I was, <laughs> I'm now cruising the uh, South Beach Strip down in Wollongong on a Thursday night, and then I'm I'm up in Darwin, and I'm I'm having a cup of tea with a homeless you know, bloke who, uh, you know, has looked for Lassiter's gold his whole life and dove for pearls. And then I'm, I'm in, um, Western Australia and I'm cruising around the truck. Now I'm in a, in a, a big truck mining ore. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I go all over the place, you know, as a co-writer, I, I get to go everywhere. It's fantastic. I'm in Afghanistan in one of them, you know, wow. as, a, as a soldier, it's, 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 it's like, being invited into a, a movie, it becoming is. a character in it. And it's um and that's the beauty of songwriting. It's just they're stories and they paint imagery and but you gotta do it all within three to five minutes. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> there's the challenge, yeah. painting that imagery. Give me the story, give me the orientation, give me the complication, give me the resolution, mm. give me the lesson and get out of there. Yeah. And uh, you know, which which shark are you going to aim at? Am I going to aim at your hips so I'll make you dance? Am I going to aim at your heart to make you feel it? Am I going to throw it, make you move? Am I your brain to make you visualize it? Or mm. where am I aiming these songs? And occasionally you can hit all the chakras, at, you know, a few of the chakras. At that's once my favorite, and, uh, just shock the whole body. Yeah, you hit the whole body. <laughs> the whole and body. That's rare. It's not easy to do. And uh, <laughs> when you do it, it makes for a pretty special song. But, um, mm. Sometimes you're just happy if you connect with one. Yeah. Well, just connecting in general is is like an mm. ultimate goal for me anyway. Yeah. What would you say um, over the years of learning to co-write and doing so much of it, um, is there something that you would say you wish you had have known earlier about a co-writing process or any advice that you give to people who are just starting out with that, that process? The thing I always try and do, even for myself in any song, is always try and put one chord in each song or maybe more that's beyond my ability, mm. you know. And if you can hear it, you can usually sing it. I know that sounds weird, but if you can hear that melody, you just got to go for it. Being a songwriter, you hear lines of melody and you feel you should be able to, but sometimes it's just beyond your ability at that stage. Mm. And the thing is you just got to keep working at it. And so... Nothing's going to give you more joy than achieving something that you thought you couldn't do initially. Yeah. You know, that's where the source of the greatest self-esteem comes from. It's just the music gives you that opportunity. Every single time you pick up an instrument or attempt to write a song, you're going to push yourself past a point which you think you can't Mm. quite get there. And so I would would always – say I wish I'd, I'd, you know, I'd spend in those earlier days a lot more time expanding and pushing myself with with kind of becoming a better musician. Like I'm, I'm a songwriter trying to become a musician. Does that make sense? And there's, yeah, there's no. a lot of great musicians out there that just aren't songwriters but mm. they're phenomenal musicians. Mm. It's still a part of the songwriting you process know, I, though. But like I mean, yeah, everyone's massively. got their own strengths. Like I'm, I, I say I'm a songwriter who sings and attempts to play music. Like I can play a lot of different yeah. instruments, but not as well as some of your prodigies out there that just yeah. Smash and it. that's it. And viva la difference, you mm. know. Thank goodness that's there because everyone's got their thing. And no matter how long I play that guitar, there's some people that just have that touch mm. that I just melt with. You know, they just have that touch. And it's, it can't be taught. It's just natural. And it's the same with songwriting. There's people that just have that ability to 
put two words together, they'll break your heart. It's just the way it is. It's the X factor that you're just constantly searching for and it's elusive and then you get close to it and you can feel it that you're close to it and sometimes you you might land on it and then people say, how did you do that? And you go, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it just happens. It's magic. Uh, and that's why we're all fascinated. That's why we're talking about it. And that's why you're doing these podcasts because mm-hmm. nobody can give you a definitive answer. It's just fascinating. It's unique to everyone. And I, I think I was mm. initially trying to crack the code on songwriting and now I realise it's just a mystery but I love the mystery. And I'm, <laughs> I actually don't think I want to crack the code. I just want to enjoy the mystery yeah. and the connection that music brings with other people. Yeah, the shared awe mm. of the mystery. Yeah, yeah and the like, feeling, oh. that feeling that, that melody and music and lyrics all married together can can bring you to some some special place that yeah. other stuff just can't. So, yeah, it's magical. Well, you, you, we've said the word a bunch of times during this interview, but it's just connection. That's mm. There's no faster way to connect with another human on the planet than through a song. And I've played to a lot of people from every demographic and socioeconomic group and every age group, and it's just been fascinating to see how the power of ways that they can strip people down. I've had hard men just crack open and cry within three minutes mm. of hearing a song, you know, with the old men's shed and then they, you've got to leave them laughing and then you cry and then you bring them back and it's just it's just a, a responsibility and it's something that you don't take for granted and it's something mm. that you don't exploit and it's something that you, you don't, there's no ego associated to it, but it's powerful. And to be regarded in the gang of being songwriters is, is a gift. It's a very special, well, there's words. I think it's called, what's that, chrisms. You know, people have certain chrisms, you mm. know, and it's just their gifts. Some are brilliant at math. Some are brilliant at kind of languages. Mm. I can't recall. I lived in so many different countries and all I know is say is sorry and thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I can I, count to ten it, in a few different It does not stick. <laughs> There's nothing it. in my brain that will retain a language, but mm. I can sing any song and play the chords that I heard back in, you know, the 70s, man, mm. and it just sticks. They, those stick with me, but it's, you know, there's, everyone's got their thing. Be a butcher, baker, candlestick maker. Nothing's better than anything else, but you do have, I'm very grateful for the tribe of songwriters out there where you find them and you just go, man, I get you. I get you. Yeah. Because Feels good, are, doesn't we it? We are quite a vague bunch. <laughs> yeah. It's the rest of the world treats us like, like weirdos and we're like, hey, songwriters, well, you get you it. Know, <laughs> because, you know, that you, you hear that turn of phrase somewhere and you're going, ah, oh, that marries that melody that I've been carrying around for three years. And yeah. That, and, then, but, and then you're putting it all together and people ask you a question. You're not listening to me going, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we're up here. We're up. It's very cognitive. It's oh, all drives my husband space. absolutely nuts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look. Yeah. We get it. Yeah. I get it. And you like that the social group where you're in the middle of dinner and all of a sudden you've got these lyrics and you have to write them down. So you, you know you're yeah. off on your phone and everyone's like, "Oh, you're always being so rude," and you're always and we're like. I have to or I'll regret it and then I'll stay awake all night regretting trying to remember (laughs) what it was. Thank goodness. I don't know how we did it without these little phones humming a line or a melody line. If you don't, it's gone. I always had notebooks on me. I don't know. Thank goodness for these little recorders. I have so many notebooks Mm. and I have these little notebooks and little pens and then um, then a few years ago I took these these bookshelves of notebooks that had like 
you know, they weren't all full. But I, and I got rid of all the blank bits and I pulled out all the lyrics and I put it all into this one fat folder and <laughs> <laughs> consolidated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, now everything's I don't on my know phone. Why. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You, I got oh, folders and folders of it, you know, and I, you just got to keep it. One day, who knows how many generations will pass and they might find Pop's old lyrics and go, hey. Mm. He wasn't such a weirdo. Never know. He was. Well, <laughs> nice. I think if anyone saw my notes, they'd be like, wow, she was a real weirdo. <laughs> but that's okay because not, not all songs are meant to be heard or read, but that's cool. So let's go back to you are a teacher. So this is probably, this may be something that you've passed on, but over the years of label, no label, band, solo, country, travel, rock, what would you say? is like a core piece of advice that you would give to someone, again, starting out any genre as a songwriter, potentially artist as well like you, what's something yeah. you wish you had have kind of known a bit earlier? Oh, look, always keep the joy in what you do because, you know, the, you've got to understand that you're doing this for yourself. Mm. You're recording, you're writing the music for yourself. Mm. You're recording the music for yourself. You know, it's you you know and if other people get it great but if they don't don't lose hope don't because you just got to keep on doing it Mm. because it's who you are and you're not trying to kind of appease anybody else other than yourself you've really got to make sure that you are really happy in your heart that you are doing this for you otherwise it's pointless um the other thing is that you know the goalposts move those goalposts of success really close to you. Mm. See success in all the little things. Don't see success as being stuck in a tour bus, mm. you know, for the next six months. And you know where your band members have got blooming cocaine problems and hook problems and relationship problems, and yeah, you're just sitting there going, you know, you might be playing on a big stage, but you're desperately unhappy. Mm. You know, you've that's not success. Success is when you you get a gig, you know, in a, in a place where you can hang out and just go down a new road, a new track, or you, you write a song with somebody that you've been mowing to and it's, it makes you feel good and yeah. it's that's doing good. And so move those goalposts to success. You know, there's a lot of moments that billionaires will never be able to experience be, because you're a songwriter yeah. and you'll be down amazing paths and, and pursue it and, and learn to love the hard work. Mm, you're adventurous. Just love the hard work. Just if it's hard, great. Dig in, make it even harder because on the other side of that hard work is the greatest rewards Mm. that words can't express. It's just pursue it. Just keep pursuing it because you love it Mm. and just keep making it as good as you can because you love it and learn to see the success in all the small things along the way. Don't see being signed to a label as being the mark of success. Mm. Don't see having a number one as being your mark. Don't see a golden guitar or an ARIA award or an APRA or whatever as being your mark of success. It's everywhere. It's every single step along mm. the way. That's success. And if you're still doing it when you're 110, man, you're still going to be loving it. Mm. I love that. And it's, it is interesting because everyone has a different idea of what success is, which is interesting because mm. I, I think if you don't, unpack what that idea of success is, it's very easy to believe that your idea of success is everyone else's idea of success 
and you're all competing mm. for the same thing. And then when you unpack that and realise actually my idea of success is unique to me, it also then takes mm. away that competition factor because like music is not a sport. <laughs> We're not competing. No. Like it's it's not a competition at all in the slightest. No, enjoy it. Yeah. Just enjoy it. And like and the ego, ego is always evident in any industry. It's ego's there. And you mm. just you learn to identify the ego and you know, it's just egos don't like it's me. never gonna give you good <laughs> advice, ego. Well that's it, but it's never gonna give you good advice when you're operating from that ego space. So mm. always go from that, you know, find that heart space and, and find that joy particularly when you're playing because 98% of what we do is not actually playing. Mm. And that's why it's called playing. We get to play like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> you know, and you're just going, you know, have fun when you're playing because you're playing music and 98% of what we do is just to get you that point to get on stage and they just got to keep that as the, the, uh, the carrot, you know, we get to actually hop on that stage and just oh, connect and express and just play heal and open up and just allow it out man shine like the star you are I love that tell me to this point what would you say for you has been the most successful thing where you went oh that was that was a moment that I just couldn't believe all the hard work had paid off and no, there's thankfully there's been lots of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that I got to take my kids out of school for, you know, four months and, you know, do that a couple of times, you know, where you just get to travel around Australia and I just pull into pubs or caravan parks and um, do little resonies. You're playing for, for food for us all that night and playing under the stars and, Music allowed us to do that and all around Australia and give my kids such an awakening to how amazing this country is and the size of it and the diverse nature of it all and Mm. its people. And then, you know, be able to get up on a a country music cruise with the kids and show them the world and see where music leads you down that path or play with some phenomenal musicians and who have become great friends, you know, and they're just, they're angels, man. They're Mm. just. Their, their gifts are just so phenomenal that they're just from another realm and uh, you get to know these people and you get to spend time with them and uh, that's success. And, you know, then you have the industry side where you, you do get encouraged by your peers, you know, when they do award you with a, a piece of hardware that says we get you and we want you to keep going with it, you know, and that's that's it's encouraging. Deeply it's encouraging. humbling. Yeah. Mm. And that's that's something you do not ever take for granted. And it's and it really does inspire you to keep on keeping on and you want to make it uphold that level of um responsibility that they're giving you by yeah. saying we we understand what you've done and appreciate it. And you know it's there's success all the way through. I, I really feel blessed, you know, and um yeah, I've never been able to let go of teaching, mm. mind you. You know, it's just not always about the money. Mm. If it was just me, then no problem. But when you want to have a family and a mortgage and a holiday and a, a you know, I was going to say in a nice car, but I still don't have a nice car. No, nope. but uh, I don't have a car at the moment you know. either. It just kind of oh, puts a hold on so, the touring so side of things. But. My car. <laughs> but I do love it. It's a yeah. typical music car. It's crazy. But, yeah, it's just not important. But, um, mm. you know, there's so much joy and there's so much success along the way. you just got to learn to really acknowledge it and see it and allow yourself to, 
to feel it, mm, you know, and um, enjoy it. Yeah, just enjoy the moments because yeah, you don't know when you'll have another one. Well, you know, that's it, right? Even this conversation now, it's it's a joy to be speaking with you. And uh, oh, you don't is, have to say that. You know, what we were talking about before, this is success <laughs> where you, you know, but it's true where you get to discuss what you love to do with other people to get it. And if there's people out there that are listening to this right now and they hopefully it can give you a bit of inspiration, a bit of hope to keep on keeping on, then more power to you, Ray, for sharing it. Oh, and thank you. And like, I, I appreciate you and, and the, the DAG and everyone that was there because without that mm-hmm. space, um, I wouldn't be doing music, you know. It was such a, a big part of my development in who I was. I didn't even realise that being able to write songs was a gift, you know. I thought everyone could do it and there was mm. no way in hell that I was ever going to share mine with anyone. <laughs> so, That's cool, know. man. And I, I knew nothing about country either before the deck. So, um, you know, you just got to – just. You are where you are for whatever reason, I think, and I believe that we always have what we need. We don't always get what we want, but I think we – I do believe that we always Mm. have everything we need and sometimes we need a challenge or we need to be challenged in our beliefs and rocking up to a country music songwriting retreat was a challenge for me initially. (laughs) Yeah, well, well, it wasn't just country music. Like this is the thing where we – if you're a songwriter, it doesn't matter Mm. what style. You're just going to write it like this – yeah, I could share with you uh, the range of stuff. I said, listen to the pinball stuff, and yeah. that's not country at all. I've got a, another project going on at the moment called Max Joy and the Lovemakers, yeah. and that's electronic. That's so it's cool. just electronic dance music yeah. <laughs> being fused with um, <laughs> some pretty organic country instrumentation. But it's just, man, I, I've got jazz swing projects going on. That's you awesome. just, if you're a songwriter, you just write. Yeah. And so, don't lock yourself down. You start to. Well, the thing is you start to realise that, see, my favourite genre of music is, I just have to call it the great grey void. My favourite writers all fall into that grey void that doesn't have a brand. They mm-hmm. are just great songwriters and their melody. Are they folk? No. Are they country? No. Are they rock? No. They're just great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they should just have a genre called great. The great genre. But unfortunately, <laughs> the great genre, just the magnificent genre. But the thing is, there's no industry to sustain them. They've got yeah. no magazine. They've got no festivals. They've got no media. They've got no radio station link-ups and all that. Stuff. So they just disappear because this is no one to sustain them. And mm. that's the heartbreaking thing. So when you decide, okay, well, I'm going to become country, then you become ingrained in that industry. Yeah. Or, and that, that that sustains you and then you understand, oh, okay, I'll write to stay within this industry. It's not as if you, you know, you're you're writing songs like that all the time. You know, no. you, you just write for your audience to a degree as long as you're staying true to yourself. If that That's the balance. That's you, the balance. You're writing from your heart space but you also got to say, okay, this has to connect with people out there and then mm. you get to a point where you've got their ear. Mm. And then once you've got their ear and then you've got their following and they're prepared to kind of follow you on your journey, artistic journey, then you can really explore your own heart, Mm. you know. But you have to kind of at the start of it find that way of connecting with them first by touching into their world and being established within that particular genre. Mm. It's kind of funny now because, you know, I'm 50, what, two, 53, I'm 53 now. And all of a sudden I'm just being kind of discovered by the folk scene. Huh. And, uh, and I'm rolling up to all these folk festivals that I've never been part of before and they're going, wow. And I'm just <laughs> going, wow. 
where have you guys been? You know, and like I've been here for a long time, but I've never really crossed just that really small bridge yeah, from country into folk, but I'm loving it. Yeah. And now we're just discovering each other for the first time and it's just been unreal. You never stop um, growing, that's for sure. And I love how country does have so much space to broaden its shoulders into different genres and allow you to express yourself within reason however you like. No. And that's really oh, reassuring man. for me because mm. I still, you know, I don't know who I am. I know what I love and I know whether I like something or I don't like something. But, yeah, you never know and I think that's okay. It's beautiful to have that flexibility of just do what feels yeah. good, have fun with it, and if other people like it, great. If they don't, they don't. You, you did talk yeah. a, bit, a bit about that great genre, which I like. That's a good idea. We should pitch that one to Spotify of having the genre where we can just tick great. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> but if you could collaborate or co-write with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be and why? John Prine, obviously, he's passed, mm. but um, he had such a, a way of saying so much in so few words, you know, and such simple melody that which would just cut you right open. Yeah, he's magnificent. But, like, I love the Bruce Springsteens. I love, you know, yeah, Bob Seegers of the world and all those guys. It's just, you know, John Williamson, the way his poetry can come through it's in song you know that's it's the people that paint really strong visual imagery mm. in a really short amount of time and that's hard to do mm. you know and there's some masters out there and I'm trying to think Australian wise like there's some magnificent writers like you met Jeff Gibbo Gibson at the mm-hmm. DAG and he's a shearer from an anger tank, but he's probably one of the best lyricists around. I call him the, the John Pine of Australia. You really? know? And he's just phenomenal, you know, and there's, there's, you know, there's some really like KB, Kevin Benner, he's just a great writer. It's just, you know, the way he puts words together and, no. Marries it with energy and mojo. It's and cool chords and swagger. And <laughs> well, he's always having know, so much and, fun, isn't he? That one. Like I don't think I've ever seen him rush yeah. or. And the fact that he's sure. he's turned seventy this year, you, it just doesn't factor in. You know, like it's the same. It's it's you don't age when you're playing music. They are no. just they're they're immortal. It's just you, you you see spirit. You know, you feel it. You just you know. So yeah, those guys they're just. Great writers, great people. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm going to get all of your socials and your music and put it into the description of the podcast and there'll be a blog on the website, songwritertris.com. But is there anything else you'd like to mm. plug, shows, new songs coming out? No. No, look, mm-hmm. there's two new albums, like um, the new Lego Shea album will be coming out. I still don't know what it's <laughs> going to be called, but um, it's it's I'm just really enjoying the, the process. I've given myself a deadline for the first time. Like the last album mm. took so long to Deadlines do. Deadlines um, <laughs> A little bit yeah, of pressure is good. Deadline. This one's really pushed me about it's it's since having this deadline, things are happening, <laughs> and I'm loving it. Like I'm going, great. <laughs> actually, so I'm, it's been great. And then this other project I've beginning, which is the electronic dance kind of. Uh, Stuff is so out there. It's such an alter That's ego awesome. of mine, you know, yeah. and I just love it. It's uh, so to, to be pursuing that and even when people are looking at going, are you serious? Yeah. I'm going, 
I'm doing yes. an R&B song with some people, like some hip-hop guys from Adelaide and everyone else is here. Mm-hmm. They're like, but your country. And I'm like, oh, I love R&B and hip-hop and, yeah. Yeah, yeah just keep keep finding those things and, you know, just, you know, don't don't listen to the doubters, man. Just go for it. The more they doubt, the more you realise you're on track. You go, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're weirdos, aren't we? Um, oh, I love it. Well, is there anything awesome. else you would like to say before we finish up? The, uh, the podcast is yours. Oh, just a big thanks to you, Ray, and good luck with this podcast and uh, what you're doing is great. You know, keep people talking about mm-hmm. music and uh, maybe there's something in there that people can get something from and, um, you know, it's great to see you again and wishing oh, you well. I appreciate it and it's good to see you again as well and hopefully at one of our shows or festivals around Australia I'll see you and we'll get to play some music. It'll be good. Awesome. Bring it on, mate. Bye. Thanks for joining our songwriter Trist today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guest, please go to the website songwritertrists.com. Crowd, no one can hear me. Wish I could scream or shout.